Good morning. He is risen. Yes, he has. If you are joining us today as a guest, maybe you're a member of a family of somebody that attends here, or maybe you just decided that today was a good day to come to church, we're so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, grateful that you could join us on Easter Sunday, and this is probably the first ever Easter Sunday message you've heard from the book of Revelation. Uh, we are in a series in the book of Revelation, and it seemed wise to continue that this morning. So open up your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. The reason we're continuing this morning in this book is because we want to get not just to the story of the resurrection, though it is a marvelous historic story for us to recall. We want to get to the implications of the resurrection this morning. His past tense, historically accomplished resurrection has present tense right now implications for our lives. Present force in our lives. And the passage before us speaks of the power of his resurrection as a present force in our lives. So we're going to be picking up in the fourth of seven letters that the Lord is writing to his churches. He's writing to seven different churches, and we pick up here in the fourth one, the church in Thyatira. Now you might be thinking already, oh no, I, I don't know anything about that place, and don't worry, most of us don't know anything about that place. The reality is, while the background can be helpful, Every one of these letters, while written to a first church, is written to all churches. In other words, the Lord would speak to us this morning, here, through his word. And it is, it is the risen Christ with whom we have to do this morning. Before we start, I'd like to pray. Church, I want to invite you to pray that the risen Christ would speak this morning. Father, we seek to, to humble ourselves before your word. Pray that you would help us to do that. We pray that, that every word I say would, would accurately reflect your word. And indeed that you would speak this morning, or that you would draw people to yourself, that you would convict of sin, and that you would encourage both. We look to you in your name, amen. So to those who have an ear, let us hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We're going to read Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. 
But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. Those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron as I myself have received authority from my Father. I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. God's Word. Who is speaking this morning as we encounter this text? The Lord Himself is speaking through this text, and, and He is speaking to this church in Thyatira. And every time He starts a letter, He reminds the church about something important about himself, that they're going to need to know. What does he remind us about himself right here, right at the beginning of this letter in verse 18? These are the words of the Son of God. Yes, we know Jesus of the Gospels as the Son of Man, as the one who came to seek and save the lost, as, as a humble man who, who hid the glory of God that was his and who walked alone to Calvary for our sins. He is the Son of Man. But here, He is the Son of God. He is the inheritor of the universe. He is the one with the name above every name. All authority, all power is His and His alone. This is the risen Christ. And He is risen to reign. Now the title, Son of God, we first hear Jesus use that word Son back in Psalm chapter 2. In Psalm 2, Jesus is speaking through the psalmist. I think we have that verse to, to put up. This is from Psalm 2. Jesus is speaking. He says, The Lord said to me, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is the Father commissioning the Son to be the Son, to have the name that is above every name. We can take that down now. So the Son of God is the inheritor of nations, the ruler of peoples. He is risen to reign. And now he says, 
the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire. He who is here this morning sees all. He sees through every disguise, past every distraction, to every motive of every hidden deed and, and whispered word and unspoken thought. And where can one flee from his gaze or hide oneself from his sight? The night is as day to him. And we stand before him. He goes on to say that his feet are like burnished bronze. Now often in the scriptures, the feet are kind of a, a picture of, of creaturely imperfection. You can kind of guess why. So you have Moses who's told, take off your shoes, you're, you're on holy ground. You've got angels in heaven who are given a separate set of wings to cover their feet as they fly before the glory of God. But this one, even his feet are holy. Burnished bronze, radiant in holiness and in purity, and inflexible, bronze-like radiance. He stands against evil and always stands for good and holiness and purity. This is the one speaking to us. He begins in verse 19 with words of encouragement to his church. And they are good words of encouragement. He says, I know your works your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. I know your works. He sees. He knows what they've been about. He knows that they've been about serving Him. He knows that their, their works are motivated by love. That they actually love each other. That they're doing good unto one another. That they're doing good to one another out of love for Him. He knows their love, their faith, the faith that fuels their work. Their faith in Him. He, he sees their faith as they walk through struggle and trial and persecution and sacrifice to serve each other. He sees all of that. He says, I, I know that your, your, your service. He sees their humility. This is a church that, that is counting each other more significant than themselves. They are, they are genuinely laying down their lives to serve each other. And then he says that he sees their patient endurance. This was not a flash in the pan kind of thing. These folks had developed a lifetime of serving Christ. They kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And he says, I know. I see. What commendation. This is. But then it gets even better when he says, your latter works exceed the first. So far from slowing down, they've been speeding up. 
So far from growing dull, they've been becoming more sharp. Their zeal is more today than it was the first day that they were following the Lord. Age hasn't been blunting the sword. They continue to strive for the Lord. You're running harder on this lap than you did on the first lap. Well done. Could the same be said of you? Dear saint. Could the same be said of you? That your latter works exceed the first. If the Lord were to look at your life, would He see that you are speeding up in your service to the Lord? You are, are running stronger now than when you were younger and stronger. Or perhaps in the name of balance or in the name of self-care or moderation or avoiding burnout, have, have you slackened the pace? You've dulled the edge, softened your zeal, such is not the example that we have in God's Word before us. We don't have an, we don't have an example in God's Word of, of those who've gone before us slackening their zeal. Remember Paul, aged Paul, who was straining forward for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus until the end. Remember, remember Daniel? He was captured as a young man, taken into captivity. He was zealous for the Lord as a young man and wouldn't eat the food that was offered to him that was against what God called him to do. And then as a middle-aged man, he was zealous in prayer. And he would go to the lion's den rather than not praying. And then in his 80s, he stood before the king and pronounced the judgment of God on the king. He did not slacken in his zeal. And Christ, who rose early to pray and stayed up late to serve and made himself a servant all his days to the point of death. Friends, we have no example before us of softening our zeal. Are you walking the race or are you running it? Is he not risen? And is he not worthy of all of our lives? day after day, this day and the next, and more the day after that, of serving Him and worshiping Him and living all of our life for the One who has risen to reign. Let us not offer to the Lord that which costs us nothing. Soft service occasionally. He is worthy of our zeal. Day by day, until that day. Well, the Lord continues then, having encouraged, he begins in verse 20 with a word of correction. He says, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality, to eat food, sacrifice to idols. Now, for us to understand this, we have to understand that Jezebel was a Old Testament, not New Testament here, an Old Testament character, and quite a character she was. 
if, if there's a, a villain in the Old Testament. She's, she's one of the top villains in the Old Testament. She's married to King Ahab, who was king of Israel. And she seduced her husband to follow after the Baals and to worship the pagan gods and to participate in pagan, idolatrous, and immoral rituals. And he, in turn, led the whole nation into the same. She seduced God's people into sexual immorality and into the worship of idols. And that's happening in Thyatira. That's happening in the church before us. Sure, there was cultural pressure on them unlike anything we've seen. A cultural pressure to conform. If you didn't go and make your sacrifice at the pagan altar and participate in the sexual perverse activities that were a part of it, you were going to be ostracized from the community. You were going to be kept out of the economics of what was going on. And very often, you would find yourself on the wrong end of the law being persecuted by the state. So yes, there was pressure without, but there was teaching from within. Teaching from within, and the church was tolerating, he says, you tolerate that teaching. The church was tolerating the false teaching and the false teachers. But the problem here is that many were following. They were allowing sin to grow in their lives. And they were putting on their Sunday best and coming to Easter service and declaring that He is risen and harboring secret lives of sin. Giving themselves up to sexual immorality. Setting up little idols in their heart to get them through the other six days of the week. Church, Christ is risen to reign. And his eyes see. Does he not see? Does he not know? Is he so concerned with other things that his concern for the purity of his church has, has changed? Does he not see the constant companion of pornography? The hidden lusts that may not stay hidden much longer. The, the flirting at work that's not an affair yet. Sundays are a good show and then life goes on and sin is unconfessed and you've told no one and it's unrepented of and you've not turned from it. Oh, friend, heed the warning of this passage. May verse 21 not be said of you. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. The Lord is kind to give time to repent of sin. Today, the Lord speaks through His Word and calls you to repent of sin. The question is, 
will you refuse him who speaks? Or will you turn and repent? His words here should bring fear. Verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation. When he says her and those who commit adultery, this, this is picture language of those who are following after their lusts and who are keeping this hidden sin and who are loving sin while pretending to love God. And he said, I will strike her children dead. Here he speaks of those who have become so much followers of her teaching that he calls them her children. Church, he has risen to reign and judgment begins with the house of God. But, today is a day of mercy. Which is why he gives us this text. It is a kindness to warn somebody to get off the train tracks before the train comes. It is good to pull someone out of the road when they're playing around in traffic. Friend, the Lord promises to come and to judge all who are pretending to follow Him in His church, among His people. So, if you've never repented of your sin, I don't doubt there are some here. Maybe you've come because it's Easter Sunday and that's your tradition. Listen, if, if you've never repented, Christ the Lord is real. Christ the Lord is returning. And, and the Jesus of Nazareth, praise God for humble Jesus who died for our sins. No hope without Him. But when He comes back, that's not how He's coming. He's coming as judge and king. He's risen, yes. And He's risen to reign. And the question is, will you acknowledge that today? The reigning and risen Christ calls you to repentance. Would you turn and repent? Friend, He did die that you could be forgiven. Maybe you've not thought much of how serious your sin is. Behold Christ on the cross. That's how serious your sin is. Perhaps you've not thought much about how much the Lord loves you, though a sinner. Behold Christ on the cross. That's how much. The Lord loves you. Turn to Him today. Christian, let's not be mistaken and think that this is just a word of repentance to those who've never been Christians before. Because this is clearly a word to those within the church who are toying with God. Verse 23, second part. And all the churches will know that I am He who searches mind and heart and I will give to each of you according to your works. Do not presume, dear friend. Do not presume upon the grace of God. Are you so sure that sin unconfessed is forgiven? Are you so sure that sin unrepented of has grace available? 
The warning could not be stronger. The church must be holy. The risen Christ and the reigning Christ requires it. So where repentance is needed, may repentance be embraced. And may mercy flow down upon us. Christ comes to the end of his letter with a word of great promise. I'm going to read beginning in verse 25 again. Where he says, Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father. So he gives this promise. But first let's think, Who's the promise for? Do you, do you see it in here? Who, who, who is the promise for? Well, it, it begins in verse 25. It is for those who hold fast until he comes. Those who hold fast, verse 25. And then in 26, it's the one who conquers and who keeps my works till the end. Now, there are some here whose hearts tremble before the Lord. And let me speak to you. This, is, this promise is not for the perfect. It is for the repenting. He just called us to repent. The promise is for those who repent and hold fast to Him. But repentance does look like turning from sin and following Jesus. That's what it looks like. And His promise is to those who keep His work until the end. That is, they make following Christ the grand pursuit of their life. What we want to be about is faithfulness to Him. Conformity to Him. Being more like Him. Repenting, oh, more often than we'd want to. And then getting up and following hard after Him with Zeal. He says the promise is for those who, who conquer. Now, conquering does not mean what we think it means. Conquering does not mean to, to beat the world. It, it often means to be beaten by the world. This is a conquering as Christ conquered kind of conquering that he's calling us to here. Conquering churches in Revelation are suffering churches. They are external failures. Conquering. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by His Spirit that His people conquer. It is conquering sin. It is, it is refusing to be seduced by this world. It is holding fast to Christ. It's, it's refusing compromise. It's a zeal for Christ that says, I'm not going to let go of Him no matter what you do. To conquer is to take up your cross and follow after Jesus. Now listen, it is not the strong who conquer. It is the dependent who conquer. It, it, it's, it's not the naturally good who are they anyway? Those who are relying daily on the goodness of Jesus. 
the race is not for the fast. It's not for the strong. It's not for the impressive. It is for those who fix their eyes on Jesus and keep, 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 keep looking to Him. Day after day. The promise is for those who conquer. Now, what's the promise? It's stunning. That's what it is. Promise is, is stunning. Okay. Let me remind us once again, who's speaking here as he offers this promise? This is the risen Christ who's speaking, who identified himself as the Son of God, who's been given rule and reign over all heaven and earth. He has all authority over all nations and all peoples. He's the one from Psalm 2 that we read here at the beginning where the Lord says to him, just ask me, I'll give you the nations. And you'll rule them with a rod of iron and dash your enemies in pieces like a potter's vessel. That Christ promises those who conquer the one who reigns promises that we will reign with him. He's going to share his reign with his people. He says, I will give authority over the nations. The one who has all authority is going to give it away. Or at very least, share it with his people. And the Lord himself quotes Psalm 2 right here in our passage and rewrites the subject of the sentence from himself, the one who will rule the nations with a rod of iron to you, dear saint. He rewrites it and says they will rule with a rod of iron. We will be co-heirs with Christ, reigning with Him. Had He not said it, I would not believe it. Had He not revealed it, None of us would ever guess it. Had he, had he not declared this, it would seem blasphemous to presume. We. We who were the enemies of God. Without God, without hope in the world. Hating God, hating one another. Dead in our trespasses and sin. We, bringing to the party our sin. And shame. He, with eyes that see all, with inflexible moral purity, looking upon us, acts in mercy rather than judgment. Comes in mercy, taking on the form of a man, dying in our place, taking our sin, bearing the wrath of God that was supposed to be against you and me. Salvation. Glory. But he's not done giving there. He could be. It is quite enough. It is far beyond what we could have ever asked for. And he's not done giving. He gives in addition, his kingdom to his people. This is called grace. 
And this one is worthy of worship. That he would treat us in such a way. Well, the passage ends with the refrain that we're getting used to if, if you've been here through the series. He uses this in every letter, all seven. Verse 29. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so let us hear what the Spirit says to the churches this morning. Here's the message this morning from this passage. Christ is risen to reign. Christ is risen to reign. Yes, He's risen. Amen, He's risen. Praise God, He's risen. I am grateful that He's risen. But He's not a cuddly Jesus. He's risen to reign, friend. That's the only Christ there is. The risen Christ is the reigning Christ. And He is Lord of all. The application of the resurrection, the present force in our life is that He's risen to reign. So listen, He reigns, so let's not get tired. He reigns. So, so let our latter works exceed our first works. Let's run harder. May the house of the Lord be filled with zeal for the Lord of the house. He reigns. So let us resist the seductions of this fallen and wicked world. He reigns. And you know what? He's going to reign next week too. So you should come back to church. He reigns over your finances. He reigns over your entertainment. He reigns over all of it. There's none of it over which He doesn't reign. He reigns. He reigns. So let's repent when we fall and when we fail. He reigns. So let's not hide our sin and coddle our sin and embrace our sin and conceal our sin. Let us confess our sin unto the One who reigns and who sees anyway. He reigns. So let's stand in awe. And let's stand in fear. For He still searches heart and mind. And He will purify His church. And He reigns. That means every promise He makes, He's able to fulfill. He reigns, and the one that, that reigns is the one that we're following. That's good news. And He has made some good promises. Now listen, these days are not easy. And He did not promise that. These days are not easy, but better days are coming. And the One who reigns has said we will reign with Him. Glory to God. He reigns. He is risen to reign. So, let's follow our risen King. Let's follow our reigning King until He makes every one of those promises come to pass. Let's stand together, worship team. Father, I know that there are some here that need to do business with you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would press strongly on hearts. That you would, Holy Spirit, in kindness, bring about repentance. 
And Lord, there are some here who are weary and who needed to be reminded that you reign. Would you who reign give strength to your people, we pray. And now to the risen and reigning Christ, receive our worship and our adoration as we sing to you. Amen.